When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the 100th episode of the McCovey Croncast, the San Francisco Giants podcast for SB Nation. I am Brian Murphy, former managing editor of SB Nation's McCoveyChronicles.com, and I'm with Doug Brizzoni, who writes about the Giants on his substack at GiantsDoug.substack.com. Doug, did you ever think I'd force you to do almost 100 of these? Uh, no, I didn't, though, to be fair, most of the reason I do this is because you do all the real work. <laughs> uh, this started at the end of 2015 in the offseason, if I or yeah, that was yeah, 2015. I think that's right. Yeah. And I was like, let's do a test show. And then I still made that the first one because I was manically like, that's good enough. Let's just get it up and going. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just one of those things where it's like Grant had asked for content and I was not doing my part in at least getting him once or two, one or two a month. That's why he reached out to you to start writing for the site. And, uh, and you were much more consistent. And I was like, well, I can't organize my thoughts as much when I write, but I can gibberish word vomit word salad for half an hour or so every week. And the podcast has grown from there in time, in episode time. That's all I really meant and grown in. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, as so thank you so much for being on this journey, Doug. It's been great. The show is great when it's what you and you and me. It's been great when we've had Sammy and Kenny uh, and Brady and uh, uh, Ruben has been on as well. And we've certainly had a lot of uh, adventures. I'm pretty sure our all-star Croncast is what tanked the Giants in 2016. 100% it is, yeah. <laughs> we get too many McCovey Chronicles people together, even just online, their voices, and the Giants can't do anything about it. That's right. Uh, the team was great once we stopped doing them, and they're back to being, huh, since we started doing it again? Remember, they had a great April, and we came back in May. <laughs> so... There's a lot there, but uh, it's been fun to talk about the Giants because it turns out that I really love this baseball team. And that's really strange because they fell all the way to 500 this past week. <laughs> they did. All the way. I mean, we call it all the way down, but there is farther to go down. Oh, we for sure. 2017. <laughs> uh, so a very strange week of Giants baseball. Quite a lot of news. They basically became sort of... Uh, sort of played themselves into being jokes of playoff contenders uh, for the first part of the week. But then they kind of picked it up. So they went three and four uh, on the week. I can't believe they split in San Diego, ending that, you know, with the split with the 12-0 shutout win. But it was um, quite a week of play. 
good and bad, but also of news. Not really bad news, but kind of um, interesting and great news. Jock Peterson named to the All-Star team as a starting outfielder in Los Angeles, which will be great. He'll join Mookie Betts and Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, he's the first Giants outfielder to get in on the vote since Melky Cabrera in 2012. Woo! Melky! We love Melky here. Our, our dream is to have Melky on the podcast. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. If you know anyone who can get Melky on the podcast, but only only we record on Sundays, so and we're not changing that for him. That's right. The Milkmen are, are still a shambles, I believe, after everything. So they may not be our way of getting into it. Uh, it is interesting, though, that Melky Cabrera and Jock Peterson do have sort of like an online aspect of their their all-star seasons because Jock Peterson's is all fantasy baseball. But that's online. That's like all digital, too. <laughs> anyway, that was me thinly connecting them. Um, he's the first Giants uh, all-star outfielder, period, since Hunter Pence in 2014, which, my God, that eight years ago. Um, and the All-Star game is on July 19th, just so you should know that. Not named to the All-Star game. This is this is the bittersweet part of it, is uh, Carlos Rodon and Logan Webb, which feels like snubs, but Doug, is it a snub? Uh, Webb, I think it's not. Webb is real. Like, Webb does, could be on the team, and no one would think twice about it. But it's, you know, is he one of the 10 best pitchers in the league he might not be um is he a, is he a big enough star after his postseason performance last year yeah i mean there's arguments for him either ways but i don't both ways but i don't think it's that big of a deal for him to not be there um he's just a pitcher having a very good season but you know he he could have been better you know we we saw him for a month a month and a half when he was okay but nothing special um and since then he's been good but he hasn't been phenomenal and that's the difference between him and Rodon, who's been phenomenal. Uh, Rodon also had a, a few starts that, where he wasn't anything special. But since he's come back, you know, you saw the, on, on Saturday against the, uh, against the Padres where he just dominated them. It was, it was like he was, he was a major leaguer and they were A-ball players. They couldn't do anything against him. Uh, he was incredibly impressive. He's been incredibly impressive all year. Um, like all the beat writers have been saying, he... He leads the league in FWAR and he's second in the league in strikeouts. Uh, I believe his wife said that on Twitter. <laughs> yes, she an hour or an hour before we recorded this, she said, "Are you actually kidding?" Crying, laughing, man <laughs> leads in the NL in WAR. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, yeah, that is a snub. Uh, I think pretty undoubtedly that's a snub. Well, this was so this was breaking out. I've been listening, like I said, many times I've been listening primarily on radio these days. Um, allows me to do the dishes. Well, baseball <laughs> son, I don't know about you, but I get a lot. We have dishes pile up quickly. Uh, but the the National League, Dave Fleming uh, report broke the news and he kind of went through the list. He's like, wow, that's surprising. And then he kind of just went down the list of the pitchers that were named. And he's like, it's. It is because of what you just said. Like he, Carlos Rodon is arguably the best pitcher in the National League, but Sandy Alcantara is on that list. David Bednar, Corbin Burns, Luis Castillo, Edwin Diaz, Max Fried, Tony Gonsolin, Josh Hader, Ryan Helsley, Clayton Kershaw, Joe Mantiply, and Joe Musgrove. So knowing that you have to have a rep from every team, that that explains some of these. Yeah, you know the Clayton Kershaw, Carlos Rodon thing. I mean. It's at Dodger Stadium. Clayton Kershaw is having a good year. 
Tony Gonsolin's having a great year. I mean, there are people clamoring for him to be the starter over over Sandy Alcantara, which I think is maybe ridiculous. But it's also like Carlos Rodon, you know, by all the metrics that matter to people who actually run baseball teams, is right up there. So it, it is a snub, but I also kind of think we know he's going to get named under the team the second a pitcher is not going to be able to attend the All-Star game for whatever reason. Yeah, but I mean, we don't know that there are going to be any of those pitchers in the NL. Uh, you know, someone went through it, and it's what the, the main news has been, hey, none of these guys are pitching the Sunday before. Like, they could all go. Uh, That's a great point. Which, which would leave Radon kind of in the lurch. But on the plus side, and I because we love to emphasize the positive here on the McCovey Croncast. You can always find the silver lining. Here. Episodes, we always make sure to stop and point out the positive. Yes, we love our positives. Uh, on the plus side, every Giants pitcher not pitching in an All Star game is a good thing. That's true. They are, That's... either they are terrible or it ruins their careers. Matt Kane was never the same after 2012, even though he had a good start. Sean Estes was bad, was awful in '97. I think Rob Nen got the loss one year or he gave up. He, oh, he was the one who caused the tie. tie. Yeah. Rob Nen caused the tie. Yes. Rob Nen caused the tie. I think Johnny Cueto was bad in 2016. Yes. Uh, it, the list goes on and on. It's endless. Uh, okay. Technically it has an end because there haven't been that many, but you get my point. So keeping Giants pitchers out of the all-star game, I think it's a favor. I think it's a favor to the Giants. What they really need. that up. <laughs> What they really need is the is the Giants lineup being in the All Star lineup and just banging it around, <laughs> winning the game for the NL. But the 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 actual silver lining of it is the Giants are one of the few teams that are going to have the short All Star break. They're only getting Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, not that Thursday. The Dodgers are the other team, or one of the other teams, and that's because the Giants and Dodgers meet up right after the All Star break. So theoretically, unless one of these guys get named, the Giants will have a fully rested rotation to meet the Dodgers right there in that four-game series, which, depending on how this next week goes, could be very influential in what the Giants do at the All-Star or at the trade deadline, theoretically, I would say. Yeah, um, totally possible. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a bummer. It really is because the that start on Saturday really showed that Carlos Rodon is – He's, I mean, let's, this is my list. Add to it, if, if you think of anything else, he's been everything the Giants expect him to be. They've, he's been almost everything they've hoped he would be. He has definitely shown that this is the type of player you give these um, kind of ridiculous pillow contracts to. It's not ridiculous, but like there should be more of these for these types of players because the, the, the payout, the risk reward is, it's kind of like even for both sides of the equation. Basically, everyone's getting out of this what they hope to get out of it. The only downside, quote unquote, is that the Giants may not have him for very long. But that's the whole reason why you signed him to a short-term deal. Um, he's been an ace that they haven't had since uh, he's some cross between Lincecum and Bumgarner. But I don't. when I think of Bumgarner, I don't think of a high strikeout guy. It's just not it's not what I think of. So no, no, the one the only thing that Bumgarner um gave them that Radon hasn't, other than the last start and uh the start he had against Pittsburgh, um Bumgarner would go deep into games, which yeah, Radon so, does, does not do. Yeah, and so I guess I guess what I was where I see the 
similarities between them is not only just the left-handed part, but sort of that bulldog on the mound mentality, even though Rodon's bulldogness really only gets him through five or six innings. <laughs> and Bumgarner can get him through that seventh. But you know what? There's a DH now that they have to face every time, which Bumgarner got to avoid. So um, I think there's – I think basically it's been nothing, nothing but impressive. Um, and so at least for Giants fans, it hurts extra. Where it's like, oh, our, not only our best pitcher, but objectively like maybe the best pitcher in, in the National League, if not the league. And uh, and he's not going to be in the All Star game. So I'll say this about Radon: there was a three start stretch he had in May. Three starts, we had an ERA of of seven eighty. It was against the the Cardinals, the Padres, and the Reds. Um, gave up thirteen runs in fifteen innings. Bat three bad starts. If you take those three starts out, his ERA on the year is one eighty. <laughs> God. <laughs> even even with those starts, his ERA is still at two seventy. Yeah, I mean he is he has been incredible this year. He's and again, it's just it's a look that the Giants haven't really had, and it's one of those it's one of those guys where it's like the most sabermetric friendly pitcher the Giants could have, the ultimate power pitcher. So Andrew Baggerly posted when it was announced. He posted this chart. Said Carlos Rodon wasn't selected to the NL All Star team, and I'll just leave this here. And it was a cutout of fan graphs ranking um it looks like he had it sorted by just their fangraphs war and tied for 3.7 wins above replacement was carlos rodon and kevin gossman <laughs> neither of whom are all stars that's right so uh, uh, i wanted to maybe get into this later but man could you imagine if you what what's the knock-on effects of having two three almost four win starting pitchers what's knock-on effects on your bullpen i mean so, I mean, let's just say the Giants had signed Gossman as well as Rodon. And you have four, you basically have four, maybe five extra wins that you didn't have now. The Giants are back to being comfortably the sixth seed. So anyway, I just thought that that, that just occurred to me while I was looking at that chart. It was like, interesting. But yes, I agree with you about Logan Webb. I, I still kind of think something's going to work out where Carlos Rodon is on the all-star team. That's yeah, I mean, it's, it's possible that Kershaw says, uh, you know, my arm feeling a little funny. I don't want to risk it. I don't want to pitch. And yeah. that would get Redon on the team. Which would make him even more like Barry Bonds for <laughs> bowing out of the All-Star game. Um, <laughs> uh, other All-Stars, though, that should point out, the All-Star Futures game rosters were announced on Friday. And All-Star Futures game is exactly what it sounds like. If you don't know, it's it's basically minor league prospects, top prospects from all the teams across the sport. I believe it's all the levels, too. Yeah, it's all the levels. Um, and this year, the Giants got two in the, uh, in that game. They got David VR, who was just called up this past week. We didn't even see. There's just so much news. Didn't even get to that yet. And, uh, and, and Kyle Harrison, their draftee from 2020. Um, and the recent Giants who have been selected, Joey Bart, Elliot Ramos, Brian Reynolds. Um, I don't know. I mean, but VR is already in the majors. Kyle Harrison is as is a fast rising pitching prospect. I don't have much to kind of say about this other than like, um, you know, VR is certainly doing it on everything he like his performance straight up. I, what am I trying to say by that? Dave VR was not necessarily a highly regarded prospect when he was drafted. He has basically earned it by like knocking the crap out of the ball in the minor leagues. Kyle Harrison was sort of like, um, oh, that's an interesting pick. Who's basically <laughs> turned into this ridiculous strikeout machine in the minor leagues, just striking everybody out. Um, so it kind of when you think of like Joey Bart and Elliot Ramos, 
um, those are kind of thought of as like really good, strong tools guys right out of the gate. And that was what they're, they kind of got on everyone's radar for. Am I wrong in this? This is what I'm recalling what the differences are. Like basically the new giants prospects are getting in based on performance. The other ones kind of through notoriety of their, their tools upon Uh, being drafted. I mean, I'd say the, the mistake there is that Bart and Ramos were very good in the, in the lower minors. Um, they they did start to hit some walls around the time they are where they where Harrison is right now, because um, they were great in San Jose at the time. That was uh, high A, now it's low A. But they had very good years there. They pushed the team pushed Joey Bart a little bit um, faster than Ramos because he was uh, just because he was older, I think. Um, and he he did a little bit better in Richmond, uh, but yeah. So in Richmond, actually he did well in Richmond. He hit. Uh, so in 2019, Bart, he didn't get a lot of as much playing time as you would have hoped because he had some injuries, but he hit uh, 265, 315, 479 in San Jose, got promoted to double A, and then in 87 played events appearances there, hit 316, 368, 544. So he was hitting well. I mean, that was before the Futures game. Or that was after the Futures game that year. Um, but like he, he had good performance. I'm sure some of it was based on prospect status you know second overall pick hitting some dingers i think yeah, that's what up. i mainly meant yeah, yeah. the Barton and ramos had sort of like a notoriety across the industry at the time they were drafted and so they were basically performing to a level that was sort of expected and vr and harrison have sort of basically turned heads and yeah, i mean they have i would say that harrison was the, when they drafted harrison uh they kind of structured their whole draft about around being able to overpay Harrison in the third round. Right. So I, I do think that the industry is like, well, let's see about him. Like he might be something special in a way that they definitely did not with VR. Like VR was just some guy, you know, if they'd had the rule five draft this off season, the giants could have lost it. Yes. <laughs> An important note, the guy set the Richmond record for home runs with 20 in 2021. That has since been broken. <laughs> that was just broken. I think this past week. Yeah, it was. It was broken the day he made his major league debut actually. Uh, pretty amazing. Um, but, you know, Dave VR, 25 years old, not what you'd actually call like, uh, a, like you wouldn't look at that and go like, oh, that guy's going to be a superstar. I mean, but this is about the time where it's basically make or break for what he could be. And so there, he's very much on the line of like, he could be an all-star someday. So it, it is pretty impressive that he kind of came up uh, he, when he was called up. He kind of didn't look overwhelmed right away. I mean, the leaks also adjust to him, but getting getting two prospect guys named um, to the futures game, I think is great. Um, it's interesting that they're basically the two different regimes, right? VR's a um, previous regime, and and Harrison's a new is uh, is the new regime. So I think that's um, an interesting part. Of, it's always interesting when there's big turnover in the front office, right? Because usually the new guy will will get some of the credit that's maybe deserving to the old guy. But then it's also a question of, well, the new guy instituted all the development, the new development practices. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, um, so in, in 2019, VR hit 262, 334, 421 in San Jose, which is fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But then two years later, he gets to Richmond and just starts, just starts mashing the ball. Um, so, you know, does more of the credit go to the Farhan Giants? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's fun to see like, it's kind of fun to look at what could Bobby Evans could have kept his job if he had had found his his own foreign's ID. 
<laughs> because it doesn't seem like the Giants issue has been finding uh, talented players. It's been like, can they maximize that talent? And no, right. most of the time they haven't been able to. Um, so, yeah. But I just, you know, DVR is a really great story because that's, you know, a guy who's 25 and he's he's still hitting the ball well. And the Giants basically, he played so well that the Giants really did have to say, okay, we got to find a spot for him. And, you know, yeah. it's a credit to him playing hard and then the Giants just falling apart the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah, 100% on both of those. Um, I will say, and of course, if he stays in the majors, and right now it looks like he will. Right now, he's their starting third baseman until Evan Longoria comes back. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, yeah, they're gonna then they're gonna have to pick someone else for the futures game. I, I'm knocking on wood. So, <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I assume it would be Casey Schmidt. He's also a third baseman, just like kind of going down the top prospects list. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's done very well this year. Plays the same position. That's who I would guess uh, offhand. If uh, if Will Wilson stayed healthy, he might have gotten to go. But uh, yeah, I think, yeah, um, Roger talked about this. Go go back and listen to our Minor Lines uh, podcast from a few weeks ago. You know, Will Wilson, another great, another interesting story of the Giants using their financial might, their their development and their scouting to basically buy a top prospect. And he's he's delivering for them. Um, I just want to point that out because it's sort of like the Giants are playing really terrible baseball for the most part the last few weeks. But you know, we can't deny that it's undeniable that they're identifying talent. So it is worth <laughs> pointing that out, even though things aren't going well, um, such in certain respects, Anthony DiSclefani is transferred to the 60 day IL. He's having an- season ending ankle surgery. The Giants sent him to a three-year deal. I mean, again, I don't know what they saw. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the wood, the wood deal was a, uh, uh, was fine if Discofani had been two years. I think I'd have been fine with that. It was like the three year deal. I was like, whoa, what's going on here? Um, I, if and, I remember right, I was actually against it in general because I was like, you know, the way he fell apart at the end of the year, that to me, that always seems like a guy who's not going to be good the next year. For sure. And I guess I'm still of the mindset of like, it's very rare to think about a two year deal as being a bad deal. Yeah. And, and, and what Discofani's strengths were. I think I could see even if they were to pay him, like even if it was the same AAV, but only I think it was fifteen million a year. I think it was what he getting. Um, like if that had been two years, I'm like that's fine because I think they see him as like he's going to get us 160, 170 innings if he's doing well. It may not be great, but it'll it'll work. Like I think I could see the the theory there. Um, whereas Alex Wood, it's like he's a five inning guy, but it's going to be usually a pretty so- uh, strong five years. Um, and when he or five innings when he's not hurt. Um, Anyway, so Discofani going to the IL, I think I don't know if that's a miss or not, but that that definitely doesn't look good right now. Um, like I said, there's a lot of news. They transferred him to the 60 day IL because, and then they traded for a starting pitcher from the Guardians organization, Tobias Myers, 23 year old right handed starting pitcher who's having an awful year in AAA right now. Um, but they need him as a backup starting pitcher. Because Matthew Boyd, it looks like, whom the Giants signed for, we didn't do any offseason podcasts, so it's like, <laughs> I kind of said, I kind of feel like I sound like I don't know what I'm, what had happened in the offseason, but we didn't talk about it. You know, they signed Matthew Boyd, who has been a serviceable, pretty good starting pitcher, but had um, a shoulder oh, flexor tendon surgery last September. So the Giants were hoping to buy him for five point two million, and then he'd come back and basically be like a second half pickup. 
but he's had a setback in his rehab. So they're basically kind of short on starting pitching options. It doesn't look like Sean Jelly's going to perform to a level where he could be an option. Keeping Sam Long in the swing role, that seems better for them. Jacob Junis is just beginning his rehab. Um, so I, I guess I'm wondering, is Tobias Myers going to be a guy? Because <laughs> if they identified him as someone they should trade for, maybe there's something there. But um, I don't know what the Giants pitching situation is going to look like. I'm kind of sloppily transitioning to <laughs> this part of it. But um, you know, so they, I, would, I would say with Myers, it's it's possible that they, they think he's good or it's possible they're going to give him some major league time. I would bet that's not plan A. I would bet they're going to DFA him the second they need that 40-man spot and then try to fix him uh, just try, try to fix him with him off the 40-man roster. And then if someone else picks him up, fine. Uh, have, they, have they been able to successfully do that yet this year? I feel like they haven't been able to actually yes, do they, that. Uh, they did it with Austin Dean. Austin Dean, okay. Yeah, and it's weird that you don't remember him. He's forever giant. They did it in the offseason. I don't know if it's going to work during the year, but especially if they do it around the trade deadline when everyone's kind of futzing with their 40-man anyway, forty man roster anyway, they might have a shot at it. Um, I mean, 23-year-old pitching prospect, six-round draft pick, you kind of probably want to you want to try to hold on to him. I mean, I agree with that for sure. As soon as they need the 40-man spot – they're going to turn it over. I, I think there is something the, – the ruthlessness can be a little annoying sometimes, but if you are trying to be like, how can we constantly up, update our roster, it seems like a good way to do it. And getting a, an available pitching prospect to replace Anthony DiSclefani's spot, that's an upgrade, you know. Um, okay, so those are kind of all the transactions. I mentioned VR being called up, um, Luis Gonzalez being reactivated. Who knew <laughs> that, they really, that they were missing his – his verve, his his uh, his um, his joie de vivre <laughs> in, just, the, just in his the presence, his presence. Yeah. <laughs> looking like Joan from Mad Men's husband. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't go to Vietnam, buddy. <laughs> That's right. Um, all right. So the Giants, I put in our rundown. I sent to Doug. I'm like, I'm just going to assume the Giants are going to be swept. So they're going to be 41 and 43. <laughs> <laughs> but they are not. Um, they're they're actually above 500, and they're. What's out to you this week? Besides uh, that they aren't playing well. <laughs> the, you know, that Luis Gonzalez fixed everything. <laughs> um, no, I mean, that was part of it. And then that they, they DFA'd Jake McGee. Uh, that was that was a little surprising. Just, not that I think it was the wrong move, uh, as much as I've had my fun here, talking about how he fixes mechanics in Sacramento. Um, it became pretty clear once he hit his latest run of... of bad pitching that he's this form of Jake McGee is not probably a major league pitcher. And, uh, and the, maybe there's a way to make him one, but I don't think the giants have it. And I think the giants think they don't have it. So they might as well just cut bait on him now. And the giants were so strong in their conviction that they're willing to pay him his buyout. You know, he, he was under contract for next year. So they, they were just like, okay, never mind. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I, I didn't mention that specifically for this spot because, you know, Jake McGee really was emblematic of the fact that we, our bullpen trust power rankings is absolutely a shambles. hundred <laughs> percent. Man, I, I don't know how this ranking is going to go uh, next month. 
every single guy had some sort of traumatic, like just catastrophic blow up uh, literally after that was published. Which we so, did say would happen. Yes, we did. Clear. <laughs> we were very clear about that, that we were causing this. <laughs> Sam um, Long getting a save and then and then just falling apart the next that was great. Camilo Duvall, I mean, the I I should have just stuck with my John Brevia number one. He still was pretty consistent. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean I think if you rank him right now, uh, you know what? I don't want to say it. I'm gonna wait for yep. next month. Don't. I don't why why curse Brevia earlier than I have to. And that's why it was great when Carlos Rodon was like, ah, I'm just going to pitch yeah. a complete game. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to skip all that. Yeah. <laughs> Alex Wood was like, how deep can I go into the game? I'm about to find out. <laughs> um, I, I do want to say this about McGee. Apparently, I did not see this at the time. I didn't uh, read the article. But after that game where Sam Long got the save, the Giants could have gone to McGee. A, a reporter asked him about it and ga- asked uh, Gabe Kapler about it. And Kapler said, has even our late inning lefty recently? It's not disrespect to Jake, but he hasn't had the most success this year. <laughs> Which I guess if I'd seen that, I might have known the writing was on the wall. I think it's funny that it's like Gabe Kabler can run into one every so often where <laughs> he's so careful about what he says. He's very much trying to present a very polished public face and just occasionally the ball player in him will come out. That, that was definitely one of those quotes, I think. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for sure. If that's what, uh, I mean, DFA and guys, it's funny because it, it's, I'm trying, I was trying to think would Sabian have let it go one more. You know what I mean? Like, okay. He had a, he had, he's been back. He had like one good appearance from the IL and then basically the rest haven't been good, but they have done one more. And it's like, that's where I think <laughs> that's where it's just fun to think of why it was so surprising was sort of like, we're not used to this as Giants fans. Usually these guys get a little more rope. Like it, it would have been more likely five years ago that after Duvall's giving up the walk-off home run, Bruce Boach is like, oh, we're going to try Camille. We're not going to put him in such high pressure spots for a yeah, while. We, Let's see what happens. We like McGee's <laughs> attitude there. <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, at this point, it doesn't really matter what button the Giants push. The bullpen is a bit tricky. Um, Another transaction to talk about. This is before we go to the break. We're going to get to your listener questions for our 100th episode. Wanted to do a listener one. Uh, But I wanted to mention Joey Bart being brought back, uh, being called back up, and sort of before the Giants had expected it or had hoped that he would have to be called back up because of Casale's injury. But, you know, you know the Giants would have liked another one or two weeks at least of him being down in the minors, maintaining whatever instruction he had received. And since he's come back up, I I mean, Alex Wood had a post-game uh, comment saying that he likes what Joey Bart, and I think the pitching staff likes what he Joey Bart does to help the pitchers prepare for the lineups they're going to face. And it strikes me as someone who's watched baseball for a long time and Please, Doug, call me out if I'm wrong here. It doesn't seem like that's something pitchers say if if there's a lack of confidence in the catcher. No, I think I think that's right. I think um, that's what a lot of the offseason stories on Joey Bart were about was his, was his him preparing his defense to start you know every day ish in the majors, um, and I think that's what you saw that his defense was a lot better uh, even be, you know before he was sent down it was a lot better than it had been in 2020. 
Um, I think that, you know, the offense obviously meant that it was untenable for him to continue on the team at the time. Mm-hmm. But that was the big thing. And, you know, a week or two before he was sent down, all the stories about him were like, yeah, he's not hitting, but he's not taking that out to the field with him. And, you know, they get a quote from him and he's like, well, I pride myself in my defense and doing what I can for my teammates. And they call it a story. Uh, <laughs> And so, I mean, it has been happening all year. And I think that that is the kind of story that they might not have written if the pitchers were kind of being overly demonstrative in their praise of Kirk Casale, which I think is how <laughs> they would, which is how they would have handled it if they didn't like Bart behind the plate. Yeah. Because um, other than Johnny Cueto, uh, pitch, pitchers in recent years on the Giants have not been like, yeah, that guy sucks. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Quinn was pretty clear that he didn't want to throw it apart but other, in 2020, but otherwise, um, I think that, you know, they would they would find ways around it, but then the beat writers would pick up on it. Since they didn't do that, I think that was kind of a sign that everyone's like, yeah, I mean, his defense is, is pretty good. He's just two for 10 since he's come back, just four games. Giants are two and two. It's an upgrade. He, yeah. No, he has four strikeouts, but he also has uh, two walks. He w- had two walks on Sunday. Um, you know, I think both of his hits are double. Wait, nope. He has a single and a double since he's been back. Uh, because I'm watching on radio, I'm not actually like getting to see him, like how he's looking in the box. I think I did catch him the other. I think I caught him on a strikeout. That's what I did see. <laughs> and even then I was like, ah. I'm not that mad about that pitch, a high fastball. How many, every major league hitter will swing at a high fastball. I'm not that mad about it. Um, And the fact that he's able to work the counts full again. (laughs) Remember that was what he was doing in the first like couple weeks of the season. He was working the count. And then when it really started to come off, he wasn't even lasting that long in the at bat. So I I don't know. I don't think he he ever stopped really working the count. It would just be like, he'd get to one and two, right? And then throw a ball in the dirt. He'd be like, I know it's in the dirt, not going to swing. And yeah, then, and throw another one in the dirt. He's like, I know it's in the dirt. I'm not going to swing. And then throw another one in the dirt. He's like, Oh no, this this one, this is it. Uh, or they throw he, a fastball down the middle, and he would still swing through it. I would think it. Uh, the defense for that I just noticed for him was like he seems fine, right? It's like there's nothing spectacular. So it's like that's what we were we've commented on when he. When he's not hitting at least okay, it kind of is like, well, he's really just okay anyway. Uh, and then the Austin wins. Joey Bart thing. It's it's interesting. Austin Wins definitely seems like the Giants are more interested in him as an offensive contributor <laughs> yeah. at this point than like an actual defensive uh, guy. Uh, one more thing before we go to – oh, I have to ask one more question. Who do you think was the MVP of the week? Uh, I mean, it was really just the last two games, but maybe Wilmer Flores just turned the Giants season around. <laughs> I mean, you have to consider it, right? Yeah. I mean, um, that, that was who the, I was looking at. He hit the game-winning homer on uh, on Saturday, and then he hit an early homer, an early-ish homer at least, that helped break the game open on Sunday. And that's, you know, that that the team really needed offense. As much as they needed Rodon to also throw his, like, steadily start on, on Saturday, um, they, they needed someone to step up and, and hit a big boy dinger. And that's what Wilmer Flores did more than once. I... I'm not going to go back and look through all this, but, you know, he definitely seems to have most of the Giants' big hits um, this year and even last year, which which is when I, I was so wasted by the time 
he got called on that check swing in the LDS. And and I knew the Giants were going to win. We're not going to win that series. But it was like, yeah, that's exactly why. That's why it's good. Fans are good. This is the good part of fandom because yeah, if he got one more opportunity, especially you know watching him play out through this entire deal, it's like yeah, one more pitch. You don't know. Wilmer Flores of all the guys on the team, that's probably the guy. One of the, he's probably in the top three of guys you don't want to give one more pitch to, um, uh, for sure. So uh, yeah, and of course I've been an advocate of him being the starting third baseman. <laughs> Just want to point that out. <laughs> you have that's true. I, uh, I also, I, by the way, also he um, he got a hit in the the game winning rally against the Diamondbacks in the ninth inning too. Uh, it went because Yastrzemski got hit by a pitch, then Flores singled, and he was forced out on a Crawford ground out that he beat out for the double play. But I mean, without Flores a single there, maybe they don't win that game either. That's maybe right, Wilmer Flores' WAR for the week was three, and he went in and played third base after that hit. Yeah, so, so that's, exactly that's why that's, they won, right? <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um, and I think you know Tyro Estrada coming back that's probably going to have a, a nice knock-on effect. I mean, we'll see what happens with VR, but I mean, two for four on Sunday as well. He got his first major league home run on Saturday. Um, or was that Friday? Uh, it was Friday. Uh, no, but, yeah. Okay. It was the one they lost. Um, and, you know, Austin Slater with the 390 on base percentage now. Did Has anyone been paying attention? No, no. <laughs> and as soon as people start paying attention, by the way, it's going to drop to like 335. It's going to collapse. Immediately. Uh, that guy is going to stop shouting Slater. He's going to be <laughs> saying on base percentage. Okay, when we come back, we're going to do um, listener questions for our 100th episode. Okay, so we asked for listener questions on McCovey Chronicles on Twitter. And um, some people actually emailed me some questions. And our first question comes from the guy who yells Slater, Doug. And what? his question is, Slater! But a question mark. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Yeah, Slater. Uh, Slater! So, that's a good point. Um, Austin Slater, when I think the Giants are going to sell, 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 he's a guy where I'm like, that seems like a guy that they're most likely to hold on to. But if, if um, like, also seems like a guy the Rays would get. And everyone would <laughs> laugh about it. And then the Rays are somehow in the in the ALCS. Right, and then he's he's the ALCS MVP. It's like three twenty for them down the stretch, and they non-tender him in the offseason. And then uh, Jeff Sullivan tweets at Grant like in during Game Six as Austin Slater's rounding second base. He just says thanks on all lower <laughs> lowercase. Yeah, um, I can see that. Okay, our next question comes uh, from Dave in Exile on McCovey Chronicles. He asks, "What contracts do you think Zadie would take on, a la Zach Cozart?" Of this Sail Garcia on the fish down on the Marlins stands out to me, but I am sure there are more out there. But both the Padres and D bags, D backs have contracts they'd rather not have. So, what do you think they would have to offer the Giants to do an interdivisional trade and would offer that and would offer that be worth doing for the Giants or just who would be the backup shortstop after Walton? So, it's kind of the Zach Kozar deal was they they bought that contract to get a good prospect. So that's what I would think they would do in a similar situation, just to take on someone's salary to take it on. I mean, I don't see it as being – I don't see them as doing that. Um, that's, I don't know. Hold on. I have a larger thought, but I don't want to keep talking. Doug, what do you <laughs> – um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know offhand who's making like $12 million, who the Giants could be like, you know – 
throw that guy to us, give us a prospect or two. Um, those deals tend to kind of come out of nowhere and only be obvious in retrospect. Uh, like the the Will Wilson, Zach Cozart deal was like, oh, yeah, I mean, of course they would do that. I just didn't know that the Angels were going to give up on Zach Cozart and that it was worth a and that it was worth a prospect to them to not pay him. I, it was um, so unconventional, though, because who would think that a team would even a resource heavy team would be able to buy someone's first round draft pick, like their most recent first round yeah. draft pick. And then really, those are end up being one of the highest paid players in baseball the next year. <laughs> that's right. That was the year that's everyone right. who actually played at their salaries prorated. That's right. Uh, so uh, this Ail Garcia's deal, my goodness, it goes through 2026 because there's a $5 million buyout, but he's making 12 million in each in this year and each of the next three seasons. So $48 million deal. Uh, I don't see the giants taking that on because He's basically a right-handed hitting DH guy and outfielder. You're basically looking at a more expensive Darren Ruff before anyone jumps on me and says he's better than Darren Ruff. I know that. But right. <laughs> the question with uh, obviously El Gar- Garcia is, what if Darren Ruff, but bad and way more expensive? <laughs> yeah. And the and, Giants are going to say, yeah. no, thank you. And I don't think that there would be any prospects that the – I don't think the Marlins would give up a prospect to dump that salary. And I don't think the giants would dump, uh, would take on a, sal- a salary dump with three more years after this year. Yeah. I mean, that was the other part of the Cozart that, deal. Yeah, that is a big year. ask. Um, although, you know, they, they want to throw in Alcantara. I'll think yeah, about it. Right. Right. I mean, maybe if they really thought they were in it and the Pablo Lopez deal you said before, Yeah, yeah. but, but then it's like, then what's that deal looking like? You'd have to trade rough back because you don't really need rough in the, that situation. It just gets weird. And I think, I think we're going to find that the giants are going to be very risk averse on longer than three year deals. Watch. They're going to yeah. announce like a, <laughs> but I don't think that they're really in the market for making these long-term deals anymore. Um, which we'll, I'm going to save for a little bit later for one of our next questions. Um, but then the other part of the question, or just who will be the backup shortstop after Donovan Walton? I think we're seeing it. It's Tyro Estrada. Yeah. I mean, it, it's Brandon Crawford, Tyro Estrada. Um, I mean, I guess Walton is technically on the depth chart if necessary. <laughs> uh, he is there. <laughs> He is there. I don't want to say he's not there. That is technically inaccurate. Um, but then probably Isan Diaz or someone just in Sacramento, um, you know, who's, who can anyone who can play shortstop in Sacramento is going to be on the depth chart. And I don't think the Giants would be shy about DFAing Donovan Walton to call up someone else, even For if they're sure. not that high on the other guy. Yes, we have seen what happens with Donovan Walton playing. In the post-game wrap, they talked about, or at least Dave Fleming sort of remarked, ding, and the only reason why I'm mentioning it is because Dwayne Kuyper kind of was like, yeah, that's what it looked like to me a little bit, was that Tyra Stroud actually might look more comfortable at shortstop than he does in second base. doesn't necessarily mean he's better, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's something to be said about it. That's certainly an upgrade over Donovan Walden, I think, who both didn't look comfortable and wasn't good. Uh, yeah, so they, they have, uh, the Rivercats have a player named Archimedes Gamboa, and I think I sure. just take a moment to appreciate how great of a name that is, by the way. Is um, he a former Philly? Hold I'm not on, sure exactly out. where he came from. I'm going to look at uh, But he's, he's played Everybody plenty of shortstops this year. Yes. And he plays a – yes. Uh, yeah, maybe. Reading? Uh, anyway, he, he plays a competent shortstop. Um, 
like it's perfectly acceptable. He would be like an Ivan Ochoa type. Um, shout out to all our Ivan Ochoa fans out also there. Also Forever Giant. <laughs> Forever Giant Ivan Ochoa. Um, but I mean, he would be that kind of guy who they would just be like, just just play it until we find a guy. Um, if they have to do that, honestly, I would I would bet that they go with Gamboa over Donovan Walton. Um, Andy Sandiaz. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how how comfortable they are with Isan Diaz at uh, at shortstop. He's played a lot more second base. Uh, I mean, he has played shortstop. He's uh, he has started seven games there this year, but that's not that many. Yeah, Gamboa was an international signing for the Phillies. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm. I mean, the idea that they would use their financial resources to take on a contract to get a guy that one they really want and two has a lot of upside, absolutely. But I'm going to get into that financial part later on in some of these other questions let's go go on to the next one though steve svensson our old pal from twitter steve asking us this team will need an addition of to each of an eighth inning relief role top half of the lineup bat who can also catch the ball starting pitcher to replace di sclafani or they won't make the playoffs true or false in your estimation um i would say false i think they need two of those but it doesn't. They don't necessarily have to get all three. The bar to make the playoffs is very low now, and so I think they can just kind of skate by. You know, if they get Jacob Junis back, maybe they can just skate by in the rotation without making a trade. Can um, you believe that? <laughs> I, yes, uh, I know. Uh, I mean, I think the the reliever is the thing they're most likely to trade for because it's pretty easy to find a reliever. Um, and I think Zaidi would be able to say, you know, I think the analytics guys would be like, How, this guy's not having a great year, but we can turn him around by doing X. Right. And they, they trade for him and then they, they take their shot. Um, and I think they can do that without giving up a ton in a way that, you know, a top half of the lineup bet who can also catch the ball is a big ask. Mm-hmm. Um, and a starting pitcher who is worth something is also a big ask. So I would say that, the, the reliever is the most likely, um, but they can do they can make the playoffs without all three. I'm, yeah, and I I just want it to be clear. Like last year, really threw all this into a weird situation. <laughs> <laughs> I, just pretend last year didn't happen. Is kind of my thought with the Giants because it's screwing up the analysis of everything. You know, it would be nice if the Giants made the playoffs this year, but they should not do very much to try to get into it because they chose not to do anything in the offseason for whatever reason, which, again, I might get into in a little bit here. But, um, you know, so once that was the goal, like that or that was set up in the preseason, it didn't make a lot of sense now to even though you're chasing it, you're still in the mix to, yeah, to do exactly what you said, Doug, to spend big to get guys to fill these roles uh, to make trades because you're banking on your trades being more effective than deadline deals for one thing. So if you're going to make a trade where you're giving up prospects, you're hoping to get back something more that can help you beyond this year. So what really what this question is really asking, like what can they do to fix this year? And, and the goal is like, well, not really very much. They, they have to play better and maybe some of these margin moves will surprise them like Darren Ruff did. You know what I mean? Like where it's just like, it's, it's just overwhelmingly a positive, but 
you know, making a deal that can help them this year and next year and beyond, I, those are very rare. And yes, they could they could happen, but I don't think you plan for them. Yeah. Um, and the starting pitcher to replace Sclafani, I mean, I think Junis, obviously, but that is why they got Matthew Boyd. That Matthew Boyd was sort of that both half lottery ticket and half insurance for – they were using a lottery ticket for insurance. Amazing. Very <laughs> Irish of them. Um, so <laughs> Weird that that didn't work out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, But I mean like something like, like that could still fall through the cracks uh, – fall through the cracks in them. You know, they could get creative and get involved in a three-team trade. But, I mean, like, what are we talking about here? They have Rodon and Webb as their frontline starters. If those guys stay healthy, which I don't think is a guarantee, but you know what I mean? Like, they get in the playoffs with those two guys in a best-of-three series. I like their chances with just those two guys. So then what What more do you need? Like, they're not going to win the World Series this year. So what, what more do you need them to be? You just need them to eke into the sixth playoff spot. Well, what's that going to take? Uh, I don't. It's going to take guys playing better and maybe one surprise that hasn't come up. You know what, David VR could be that surprise. David, I mean, yeah. So the, the main thing the Giants need is they need the guys they already have to play better. Um, and, you know, you can get by with a couple of them kind of maintaining their poor production, but not not all of them. You know, Mikey Stremski has to pick it up at some point. Brandon Crawford needs to pick it up at some point. Brandon Belt, uh, hopefully he started to pick it up, but – he has to continue that. Uh, they have to get something out of catcher. And those are things that you're not, they're problems that if I'm the Giants, I'm not going to solve those problems with the trade. Nope. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to trust those players to, to turn it around. And if they don't, that's the season. Cause that's, that was the plan. Yeah. And it's not a terrible plan when you're locked into these deals, there's no obvious upgrades on the market and you really still are in a conserve and try to rebuild situation i mean they really are the fact that the upper there's not like a star player on the horizon in the upper minors is is disappointing i mean it's probably more than disappointing if that's how it winds up being at the end of the year you know what i mean if they make it to the end of the year and like there doesn't seem to be like anyone out there then that's then it could be more not catastrophic but it'll be worse than disappointing um all right that kind of leads into the next thing about disappointment andrew bader our old friend from twitter he asks why does Larry Bear still have a job? What could po- he possibly do slash know to warrant being a franchise face? Um, he still has a job because the Giants are worth way more money than they were when he started in that job. Yeah. That's it. His his relationships, his institutional memory. Um, and yeah, knowing where all the bodies are buried is very helpful. Yeah. You know, um, you don't you don't get to his stature without forming alliances, making relationships. And I'm sure if there's not a succession plan or, you know, I'm sure this is not going to last for five more years, but the guy is an egotistical, he's an egomaniacal, he's egomaniacal. I was going to say he's an egomaniacal maniac, but it's basically he's an egomaniac. But, you know, he's not going to just, he's not going to step off the stage willingly. He, or unless he's like, I'm too tired. I don't want to do this anymore. And they're not going to be able to force him out unless, one, they want to, which if they wanted to, they would have. <laughs> and two, um, because it's just too messy. He's, he, it's exactly what Doug said. He's, he means too much to the people making the money. He's good at making people money. And so he has a lot of utility. Yeah. Um, who is the greatest disappointment on the 2022 Giants? 
is Andrew's other question. He has, or has, has three questions. Second question is, who's the greatest disappointment on the 2022 Giants? I'll take this one. Brandon Belt. <laughs> You're sure it's not Michael Papierski. <laughs> He's 1A. <laughs> uh, I really think that I, I'm going to say a, a tall, old baseball player with knee problems is actually not a surprise. <laughs> it's not a surprise at all. I'm just disappointed that Brandon Belt, you know, it's basically, I guess there's a part of me that's like the fact that the Belt Wars, the anti-Belters, they still get some pleasure out of this. Because if you hate a baseball player or a professional athlete and you hate them for their entire career, you will be right at the beginning and the end. Right. You will. You will, you will it's the broken clock situation. Uh, and I just don't like that miserable people are are happy. So, so Brandon Belt, I'm disappointed in because he's made the people I don't like happy. So, um, so I I have a couple answers. One of them, the first one, I don't know if it's unexpected, but Tommy Lastella getting nothing out of Tommy Lastella and continuing to play him has been pretty rough for the Giants. Um, you know, he has an injury history, and you kind of look at that and go. Yeah, I mean, that's possible. And then he just... We better pay him $11.5 million in the final year of the deal to make sure. (laughs) But he, you know, he can't hit and he can't play defense, which makes him a player of very limited usefulness. Because those are the two things that you need to be able to do. Um, And then the other player is Elliot Ramos. Uh, Because if Elliot Ramos was hitting, that would have solved a lot of the Giants' problems this year. Um, their, Their offense would have been much better having just one extra guy in there who could slot in the lineup next to Jock Peterson and hit and play good defense. Uh, and he's he was bad in the majors, and he's been very bad in the minors. He's picked it up a little bit in the minors to go from terrible to very bad, but that's not enough. Um, and he's he's had an incredibly disappointing season, not just for the 2022 Giants, but for the 2023 Giants and the next few years of Giants teams. Um, so Elio Ramos, I think, is, has been pretty – has been very disappointing. There's your Avisail Garcia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, in some fairness to Ramos, that's why I said by the end of the year, let's see where the minors are at. I mean, he's 22. He is playing very terribly. I I, I didn't want to quite dump on him, but as a disappointment, I, I would say that's definitely up there. He is hitting 223, 308, 342 in AAA. That's hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and his strikeout to walk, his actual strikeout to walk, 27 walks, 74 strikeouts. That's almost where Zaidi, that's, that's right within the ratio, I think, where it's like just barely acceptable. It's like usually two and a half. He, he likes that ratio of two and a half or less. Um but yeah, he's not hitting for any power. Um, big bummer. Uh, those are good picks. Those are better than mine because mine was for spite. Um, okay. <laughs> and then Andrew's last question: Where will where will joy come from the 2022 Giants for for the 2022 Giants fan? So what will bring 2022 Giants fans joy? I'm gonna say Carlos Rodon. Yeah, <laughs> Carlos Rodon and Logan Webb. Watching um, Carlos Rodon pitch and watching Farhan Zaidi trade Carlos Rodon <laughs> <laughs> to see what they get for him. Um, I mean, realistic, I actually don't think they trade Rodon because if you remember 2019, 
that was a worse team in a year with fewer playoff spots. And they still didn't trade Baumgartner and they still didn't trade Will Smith. Um, I think that there's a chance they can make the playoffs. Zaidi's going to go for it. And they have a chance because the playoffs are pathetic now. Uh, and, you know, with Radon and Webb, that's that's a good one-two punch. I don't think they want to give that up. I don't think they want to look like quitters. Like, I think that's how I you think lose a one-and-five this week. Is I by think quitting that changes the, the calculus a little bit, though. I mean, it might, but... Hey, you know, they, they just won two games against a good Padres team. They sure so. did. Well, I'm that optimistic. leads that leads into one of the last two questions. Both came to me via email. Um, will the Giants trade Rodon, and how would you rank the Giants' top five trade chips? This comes from an A. Friedman. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, so uh, I've already said no. Doug says the Giants will not trade <laughs> um, Carlos Rodon. I Uh, they're top, I mean, so their top trade, trade chips. Wilmer I Flores. Mean, is obviously one of them. Yeah. Wilmer Flores. I mean, yeah, honestly, to get a right-hander who can play all over the infield and has some power, has some postseason experience, you know, all those things play into it. Jock Peterson, obviously. Jock, yep. Um, Austin Slater, I think is one. And then, uh, one of those, one of those relievers, maybe Dominic Leone or John Brebbia. Someone I who think could, I've heard Leon, but yeah, I would go Brebbia or Leon. So they actually kind of have yeah. six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and to go back to that 2019, they weren't shy about trading their good relievers. Yeah, um, they traded all of them except their best one. So. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, this week would be interesting. If they go five and one this week, I mean, it would be stupid for them to trade. You know, if they go two and three, you know what I mean? Like there's just... This is the part to me where it's like, I think the rest of the league, we have to, as fans, we can only know so much, but we should react to what all these front offices and owners have been doing the last decade, which is they've been trying to get something for nothing, right? They've been trying to put in as little effort as possible to get the most money, to generate the most profit. And so you don't do that by adding on expenses. You've basically lowered the standards for the playoffs so much that you don't really have to do that much to get in. I guess what I was thinking, like, is there a situation where the Giants are right on the peak and a team might that's also either right where they are or a little ahead but is competing uh, or trying to solidify their situation where they would try to make the Giants maybe a, a, a good offer now to convince the Giants basically to, like, you should trade and you should be sellers, not buyers or stand patters. Um, like try to help. Like if the Yankees really wanted to, that this was the trade Grant was throwing out, like Carlos Rodon to the Yankees. I'm like, if the Yankees were like, Hey, we really want to lock up this division. Cause now even the Orioles are winning eight in a row and they're almost 500. Um, we want to solidify our situation and you make the giants a decent, a, a good offer. You know, the giants, I think are smart enough to know like what's a good offer is this the best offer we're going to get now or if we wait towards the deadline? I, I don't think they're going to be shy if they make a decision that once they make the decision, they'll, they'll, they might've already made it for all I know. But I guess what I'm saying is um, you're in a soft spot where they could go either way. And are they going to get an offer from a couple of teams to maybe make them change their minds? I actually don't think they will. That's what I'm rambling towards. You don't have um, who's the guy yeah, I, in I Washington. It. Yeah, but I mean, like, um, 
Dave Dombrowski's the, 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 yeah, well, the, well, the Phillies are over leveraged, oh, yeah. right? Their payroll's tapped out. They don't really have prospects. And to add a Radon who's still making a chunk of change, let's just say, like, what do they have to give? Do They don't even have the payroll flexibility to add a guy like that. They probably don't have anyone the Giants would necessarily want anyway. Uh, and then, like, uh, what, I can't think of his name, the GM of the Nationals, Mike. Um, oh, Mike Rizzo. Mike Rizzo, he's the guy that would kind of maybe do those trades, but the you know the Nationals are nowhere near any of this. So it's like the older guys where they're you know what I mean, like the the kind of older halfway analytics, halfway old school baseball guys that might try to get Rodon and make an attractive offer to the Giants. I just don't think that's there. Like the White Sox, they could have had Rodon by just resigning him. They didn't, you know what I mean? Like so, I'm just trying to think about all the teams that could use him. The Dodgers, I could see that would be interesting. <laughs> But I don't, I don't see a scenario Dodgers where the Giants ownership lets them. Yeah, I don't see that happening. That's what I'm saying. Like, and so it's like, yeah, Austin Slater yeah. to the Rays makes a lot more sense um, as something that can happen. Right. Exactly. Or, yeah. Uh, okay. So, but I think you. I think we have a, the the right list of what teams would be looking for. I for a while I thought if Anthony Rendon was Rendon was going to stay on the IL all year, it would have been funny to be like, would they have traded for? Uh, and they were actually in it, traded for Evan Longoria. Something I thought of in the preseason, I was like, he'd probably wave his his trade no trade to go play in Southern California, right? I don't know. Uh, do you think? Oh, and this next one is also an email. Our last question is um, it's from me emailing myself. And uh, Doug, the question is, do you think Gabe Kapler has ever ordered something he saw in one of those crappy YouTube ads that run before your actual video? So I'm talking about Uh, mud, like the the man soaps. Right. I'm going to say uh, no. What he has done is he's gone. He's done uh, 11 hours of research into the product. (laughs) He's called up uh, 17 different people who's used the product. He's, he's, you know, really gotten to the analytics of all. And what he's found out is that uh, the product's not really worth it. You get a better value, uh, a better, like four cents per ounce, better value by going with competing more popular products. So he went with that. I like that. <laughs> I still would think it's funny if he was like one of the few people to actually go to Forward, one of those new style medical offices that they advertise. <laughs> Also, if people are too young to know what daytime TV was like before, like they were born or whatever, it's the YouTube ads. That's all YouTube is. It's just daytime TV. So anyway, I just thought it'd be funny. I could just picture Gabe Kapler clicking on a link. He's like, I'd like to watch this scene from uh, Margin Call. This <laughs> and then getting an ad for for something for some health product. All right. That's our 100th show. Just as uh, positive and rambling as all the others that came before it. <laughs> Uh, Doug, thanks so much. Where can people read your work? You can go to giantsdoug.substack.com twice a week. You can go there every day, but I write twice a week. Yeah. You wrote a great article, uh, last week about the Giants offense, or two weeks ago about the Giants offense. And last week wrote, wrote a great article, um, that was very much, um, of a spiritual partner with democratic fundraising <laughs> emails. And it was fantastic. So tech, check it out. Um, if you like the voice of the McCovey Chronicles and you want to get a little bit more of it, go to McCovey Chronicles and then, you know, check out giantsdug.substack.com. Um, great, great pairing. Um, and we'll be back next week with an all new episode. Don't forget to send us 
your questions in the comments. Next week, we're going to be talking about the Giants broadcasters. So if you have any opinions or thoughts or questions about those, I'd love to hear them. In the meantime, thanks again for listening and go Giants! Go Giants!